Hello and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Keith McLeod and with me is my fellow host, Chris Lavender. Today on Alive or Just Blethering, I'll be taking us through Americana by The Offspring. A very good day to you, Keith. How are things? Oh, like, I'm just going to be honest. I was on a stag day this weekend, so it's a second week in a row of Keith with a fucking croaky voice. So I hope that's not too irritating for people. Bring the sexy phlegm back. Bring it back. Yeah. Loving but, it. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I sound so sexy. No, man, I'm good. Thanks. I've, I've had a, a quite quite a fun weekend or week listening to, to Offspring. <laughs> Yeah, we've gone a bit out of... Um, I do feel a bit out of my depth, yeah. We keep going out of sync with the the chronological order of things. We were in 2004 with the last release, I think, with yeah. Caliban. And we are now in... Every Time I Die was our last release. Oh, so it was, yes. <laughs> that was, And that itself was out with the norm because we weren't really prepared to cover that. That one got covered... Due to the breakup, the breakup, and you know it was newsworthy. That's let's try to get under that uh, that SOE. Bit and, uh, Thanks, Keith. Thanks for keeping the dream alive. You're welcome. Not you're you, welcome, man, Keith honestly. Buckley. Thank you for just making more news articles every day. Yeah, well, I'd like to think I'm keeping your dream alive too, just by being here. Thank you. You are, Keith. It's been really weird having group chats and people keep saying Keith said this and Keith said that. I was like, Keith said fuck all. He's not even replied. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's a bit self-referential for me to be like oh yeah i think keith's the problem here like am i just talking about myself i don't even know anymore but yeah no you're you're right we we, we were firmly in 2004 i think we were almost on our way out of 2004 and we were heading towards 2005 we've dipped back a little bit for some artists but like we said last week we heard i heard the kids aren't all right and we were like fuck man we should have we should have covered americana and, I, and and we absolutely should be covering this album because as i alluded to last week this was like my prelude to rock music when 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 pretty fly for a white guy came out it was it was huge and i think i got like the cd single and i listened to it on repeat for hours genuinely with my cheap little hi-fi and then I think I got Americana that Christmas. Americana came out in the November 98. So I think I got it for Christmas and loved it. I mean, who who didn't love this album in 1998-1999? I definitely remember the song Pretty Fly for a White Guy and Why Don't You Get a Job being released. Yeah. And I remember a lot of my friends listening to it. I wasn't really into it at the time. And then around 2000-ish... I think a friend gave me it on, like, they gave me a, a bootleg copy they'd ripped off whatever streaming, not streaming service, download service was available, and they'd ripped sure. it to a CD, and I had that to, to play. And I remember really fucking enjoying it once I'd actually given the whole album a listen. So did you, how, how big were Offspring for you at the time? Because when I, when sort of Americana came out, like, all of a sudden, like, I knew, so, wait, 1998, nah, I'm talking bullshit, actually, 1998, I had just gone into high school, or maybe not. Point I'm trying to get to is I had a few friends that already knew Smash, 
right. and Exne ex for the Ombre or whatever it's called. Exne the Ombre. Exne on the Ombre. Thank you. Exne on the Ombre. And they were just like, it was quite funny to be in like first year, second year high school. And they're like, oh, now you're an Offspring fan. I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? I never even heard of them before, like Pretty Five for the White Guy. And these guys are pulling out two other albums that actually, I went back and listened to a little bit of Exne on the Ombre. Yeah, I remember all I want. And I don't know what I remember that from. That was on a soundtrack for something. And that is a great little jam. I have a suspicion that. I didn't get really properly into The Offspring until perhaps even Conspiracy of One came out and then I went back and listened to Americana and Smash and Ixnay and realised mm. I really quite like this type of music because it was probably my... Mm-hmm. F- I suppose I tried to... Trying to date, it's really difficult. Either Pretty Fly for a White Guy or um, Blink-182's all the small things is the first mm-hmm. pop punk I specifically remember hearing. Yeah, I, I remember I had uh, all the small things as well on like CD single. I don't have it. I didn't have it on a single, but I remember it being in the charts. I remember hearing it like in the radio top 40 every on a Sunday. Lav, I've, I've totally just remembered something and this goes to show how, how crap we are at podcasting. But we went straight into the chat and we did not welcome the listeners. Let's carry on. Is that is that my? That's probably on me. I'm I'm supposed to be. Uh, this is my episode, so one of us usually remembers. One of us usually welcome, remembers. <laughs> yeah, welcome listeners. Apologies, we we've not forgotten you, uh, all five of you. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for coming back uh, to the pod. If if you have came back, and thank you for joining us. If this is your first time on the pod, if you want to give us a shout, uh, as someone with herpes did over Instagram recently. <laughs> Why not? At AOGB Podcast. AOG Podcast. Uh, Instagram, Twitter. I nearly opened a TikTok the other day, man. I didn't tell you, but I nearly opened a TikTok. I'd love to be able to do more reels. I'd love to be more involved in, in that. I, I made yeah. that, that Caliban one that I released. I made while walking to work and I was recording my screen to record a video and I made a banner on the top of it and... Hey, it's it, it got great some, effort. Great effort. It's it, more than I did. It got some likes from the the, the guys from Caliban, which was really cool. Yes, thank you, uh, Andy, and uh, the other name escapes me. Uh, thank you very much for 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 dropping a like on it. That uh, makes us feel quite privileged. No, totally. And I just sort of reckon like we're we're be- we're becoming the epitome of 30-somethings if we ignore a technology because we feel we're too old for it. I feel I'm too old for TikTok, though. Like, I genuinely do. Yeah, I feel like I'm too old for TikTok as well, but it's it's a massive platform. So for us to just be like, oh, I'm too old for that, like, we might as well just old yell at ourselves in the back of the head, you know what I mean? I just don't want it on my phone, if I'm being perfectly honest. Like, Also true. My wife was not complimentary when I said to her, oh, I might do an AOGB uh, TikTok and she's like oh yeah you just got to watch TikTok now and I was like fuck don't want to be that guy I'm bad enough with Instagram reels Instagram reels are too addictive and I know it's yeah. just too easy just to next video next video and that's all yeah. TikTok is so I, I don't want to be the guy that sends TikTok videos to people and you have to watch them in browser but anyway maybe there'll be a TikTok maybe there won't but Hopefully you guys are along for the journey with Americana because you've got to be a 30-something. You don't have to be a 30-something to, to know this album, but 
I suppose you have to be if you were around when it came out. So I was trying to date things here. So you've you've mentioned the album came out in November 1998. What month was Pretty Fly for a White Guy actually released? Released in the 17th of November 1998, recorded between July and September 1998. That was the album. Pretty Fly for a White Guy came out 9th of November 1998. So preluded the, the, the album released by a week. Because I was just looking at All the Small Things by Blink-182, which is my first, I don't know how to say it, moment that I recognised that something was pop-punk. Mm-hmm. I never recognised Offspring as pop-punk at the time. I don't think I knew the differentiation yeah. of pop-punk at that time. Like To me, I think it was just punk and or punk music. And then you get a little bit older, you sort of realise, oh, well, no, punk sort of belongs to this bit and your your Sex Pistols and insert other punk bands. And then, yeah, this sort of new wave that was coming in is pop punk. But The Offspring are credited with, very much so, with revitalising interest in punk music around about the sort of late 90s. I'd give it that. And I'd say that this is the first one I can really put my mind to that i do remember hearing it i remember it being on the radio you couldn't escape it pretty fly for a white guy was everywhere and so was why don't you get a job everyone learned in my music class learned how to play it on the piano yeah and it's only very recently that uh you pointed out yourself that it's just a beatles ripoff yeah so just, just reading up on things, uh, Why Don't You Get a Job is apparently very similar. It was noted at the time as well for uh, for being essentially Obladi Oblada by the Beatles. Not a song I'm particularly familiar with. I listened to it. I was like, oh yeah, that does sound a bit familiar. And it, yeah, it totally is similar to what is Why Don't You Get a Job. I, I get it. It's the, As soon as I've heard it, I'm like, yeah, that's I'm not going to be able to unhear that now. But I do remember in the early 2000s, all the small things got into the charts and sort of realising that that's what pop punk is. Like They're not playing, it's not dance music. A lot There was a lot of dance music in the early 2000s. You know, your Ministry of Sounds were, were probably played a lot more in my house at the time than, than rock and, and metal was for certain. Sure, sure. And it wasn't. But I remember enjoying it and thinking, "This is this is good. This is enjoyable." I'm, I'm, I I've, and watched the video. I remember just laughing, laughing at the video. I mean, being what I would have been, what fourteen, and I think the Blink One Eight Two video for all the small things was the funniest thing I'd ever seen because I didn't like boy bands. And then this sure. band comes on parodying the entire boy band thing. Like these guys are funny. Yeah, there's in the videos at least for Pretty Fly for a White Guy and Why Don't You Get a Job. There's, there's, they, they are sort of. I think they're by the same director, and they're, they're more of like a one and two, like they sort of follow on from each other. The yeah. pretty fly white guy is in the why don't you get a job video. They're sort of slapsticky and they're very comedy in that in that respect. And then the other two singles for uh, the kids aren't alright and why don't and um, she's got issues. Two very different videos, uh, shot two very different ways. So, yeah, it's. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of humor on the album, but fuck man, even even like I should foreshadow this with I'm not an Offspring fan. 
like I don't, I don't listen to Offspring. Like I don't, I don't care about Offspring. Like I think I went bonkers for this stuff in 1998 because I had never heard anything like it before. I was 12 years old, you know, mm-hmm. and it was just, it was totally new and amazing. And I was like, fucking hell, this is, this is blowing my head off a little bit. And then, I don't know, I remember like Conspiracy of One and like the song they did with Red Man and stuff like that. And I was like, ooh, no, 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 that's a hard pass. And I've never looked back at Offspring. But yeah, I, I, going back over this for the first time in easily 20 years, if not longer, I was like, ah, this is this has got some stuff to it. Like, this has got some kicks, this has got some jams, like, this has got some, some, some pretty good songs. I mean, there's some not good songs on it as well, in my opinion, but... It's been a really nice throwback. I really enjoyed listening to it from start to finish a couple of times. There are songs that I would skip. I I think, Mm -hmm. personally, Why Do You Get a Job is possibly the weakest song on the entire album. It's, there's a, there's a bit of a mixed bag on this album, if you ask me. Like, there's some straight up punk songs. And there's some other songs like Pay the Man and Why Don't You Get a Job that aren't particularly punk songs and I don't really know where they fit. Like, I think Pay the Man's actually quite a good song, but you're right. Why Don't You Get a Job? Although I quite like it thematically, I think, is it, it, it stands out a little bit as maybe just a pop song on this album. Yep. And Pretty Fly for a White Guy. I think I was mentioning this to you earlier. It hasn't aged very well. There's a lot of callbacks to things that were popular in 1998. Well, that's what the album was. The album is a a sort of it's called Americana, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a retrospective because it, it's it's about so the, the word Americana is is that sort of idealized place of america yeah so dexter holland was quoted as saying i was thinking about how american culture is distorted really it's not norman rockwell anymore it's jerry springer it's not living on the farm it's going to burger king so i kind of expanded on that and made a lot of songs kind of vignettes on my version of america in 1998 and america in 1998 like yeah sort of hip-hop was a thing so I suppose that says it's it's not a comment on African Americans or, or or that culture in any way. Yep. Like if it's if it's read that way, it's misinterpreted. It is supposed to be a comment on like wannabes and, and people who sort of don't actually have don't like the thing because they they like the thing. They like the thing because it's popular and trendy. And I think when you sort of said to yourself like that's not aged well, I suppose what's not aged well is the idea of making fun of that. I'm just, I mean, lyrically, like, what? where's Ricky Lake in 2022? Yeah, but you can't write a song in 1998 and think about where Ricky Lake's going to be 20 years later. That's what I mean, is is that's dating it. Because if you were to play that to a 14, 14-year-old today, I don't think they're going to get the same impact that they got in 1998 or even 2000 when you knew who Ricky Lake was. You knew the difference between iced tea and vanilla ice. Did you? Would you know that? Like, would would a fourteen year old now know the difference between iced tea and vanilla ice? I don't think they would. All right, that's your point. I'm not fourteen or fi- I'm not fourteen <laughs> years old. I don't know. I'm assuming that it would mean they'd have to go out and 
work out what the song means. Yeah, it, no, sure, it dates it. It absolutely dates it, but it's... I wouldn't have said it's a flash-in-the-pan album, as in, like, it only exists in this year, these two years of, of, of sort of pop culture. But you're right, with, with, with direct sort of quotes to, to, to Ricky Lake and, and stuff like that, yeah, it absolutely... I mean, even Jerry Springer would date it, because he's not been around for years. Totally. What I was going to say, though, is that you then look at the literal next track on the album, The Kids Aren't Alright, by far and away my favourite track on the album. By far and away my only favourite Offspring song. Like, it's a great, great song. Offspring or no Offspring. That that track is as true today as it was in 1998. Yeah. There are still kids going down the wrong path, whether it be drugs, alcohol, chasing the wrong thing, going in the wrong direction. That is always going to happen. So you've got lyrics on the same album that are timeless, unforgettable, and actually quite powerful, I think. I think the song Kids Aren't Alright is a really good an- anthem. It's a really good yeah, very much so. sort of moral compass to go by if, if you want to try and avoid falling into those pit pit, pit holes. But Pretty Five for White Guys are very... It's a parody song. It's a joke song. It's ripping the piss out of someone who's just trying to blend. I don't know. I suppose in in twenty twenty two, it's more about you know people just want to blend in. People just want to be part of something. Yeah, and that's where I th- that's where I think it's it's dated, and and that's what I mean by you know you you just wouldn't make fun of that person anymore, or I don't know maybe because we're not kids anymore, and and, and we're adults, and we just don't care anymore. Like in respect to that, you, you know, you're just not. Like if I if I saw a poser, if I saw someone who was, you know, trying to blend in because it's trendy or cool or whatever, I'm not going to make a joke about that person. I'm just going to be like, you know, it's, it's maybe kind of sad. There's maybe other issues there. There's maybe other reasons that person is like, you know, that that could entirely be interpreted as a cry for help. I mm-hmm. maybe personally wouldn't write a song to make fun of that person, but they did in 1998. So, yeah, a bit. That that hasn't dated well. I will I will give you that one. That's not dated well. But I did stick with Offspring till the next album, Conspiracy of One. I thought that had some okay songs on it. I like Million Miles Away is one that stands out as a great track. I think Original Prankster's crap. Yeah, Original rubbish. Prankster's proper. I don't know. Cash in is that is that a, a fair? I don't know if that's a fair comment to make on it, but it was just not for me. Well, where did Offspring really go after this? Because in reading into them, because I don't really know them, their previous album, Ex Neon the Ombre, was huge. Like it was a smash, like it was a surprise smash. It, it was, it was, it went, it was received really well critically and sold really well. It, it actually outsold Americana. Americana didn't sell as well as Ex Neon the Ombre. And then, and then you see Conspiracy of One, and I'm just, and what, what was the, what was the, what was the song that had like. It must have been filmed in the UK for the video. It must have been filmed in the UK because it looked like the streets of London, and like it was like a dog on the loose with the dog catcher. That's the next. That's ah, the next album. Right. So that was the song. That was the song. Hit that, and I remember distinctly hearing that song and being like, "Yeah, no, Done. thank you." Yeah, very much so. Like I was not. I've never been into my sort of punk, pop punk, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, there's, there's, there's. I've got soft spots for it for like. Link 22 and stuff like that but 
I was never, I never sustained any like listening of punk. So really Americana in 1988 was just what it was. And the offspring were then just a band that existed. But Americana, I'll still listen to it today and go back and listen to it again and again, because it's still got some great tracks on it. Have you ever staring at the sun? Kids aren't all right. We'll talk about feelings in a minute. She's got issues. I think it's a good mm-hmm. song. Walla Walla, brilliant little pop Walla punk Walla anthem there. Amazing, like I, I really like how you're talking about lyrics. Still, you know, there's 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 dated lyrics, and then there's like timeless lyrics on this. I think as much as the kids aren't all right is is quite timeless. I think Walla Walla is quite timeless because it's very much along the same theme of like it, it's maybe more of a comment on the prison system in 1998. I I don't know. Like we're all something something we're all just brothers like get rehabilitated with all the others and stuff like that but it, it also still speaks to me that like well it, the protagonist of the song is like well you're a fucking idiot because you you did burglarize that car and you did run away with a vcr and and all this sort of stuff and it's like yeah you're sort of your own worst enemy there so i just I, songs like walla walla i'm thinking are, are pretty good i think it's because they're songs about problems that still exist yeah. today. Yeah. So there's a quote from from the the wiki as well where where Dexter Holland is talking and it was it was I sent it to you and it was very it sounded very very true to me. So Americana Americana contains themes of unhappy American lifestyles speaking of the album shortly after it's released Holland explained the songs in Americana aren't condemnations they're short stories about the state of things and what we see going on around us we want to expose the darker side of our culture it may look like an episode of Happy Days out there in America but it feels more like Twin Peaks it was when he said it looks like Happy Days but feels like Twin Peaks like just the other night I was watching Newsnight and not Newsnight Question Time FYI fuck the BBC but I ended up on the BBC and I was watching Question Time and like one clearly conservative Prime Minister is talking about how the UK's had the biggest growth uh, in the G7 but actually that's because we were in such a shit state post-pandemic that out of all of G7 we've still we're still fourth in economies and stuff like that so it's like it's just spin like everything is so fucked i think everything is so fucked at the moment that like it's you know it's it's reflection it's sort of artistic reflections like this that sort of kind of help you realize and sort of acknowledge it like you know every day you do wake up and there is the fucking prime minister with a bottle of champagne on a fucking quiz night or his wife had a birthday party for him while people are dying and everyone else do you know what i mean like it's why do why do we live like this? And why is Americana from 1998 triggering me? <laughs> uh, for anyone who's at home who wants to learn more about these types of things, I would strongly recommend the documentary Hyper Normalization by Adam... His name escapes me. He is a, a documentarian and, he, and he, he specifically talks about... Adam Curtis. Adam Curtis, thank you. So he specifically talks about why we just accept these things and how how that works. So yeah, anyone, before we digress too far, read up on, watch an Adam Curtis documentary, Hypernormalization, talks about us just accepting that prime ministers and presidents of the United States can just literally lie and we go, okay. 
fucking kill me. Like, get me out of this matrix of hell. Like, it is this matrix of idiot idiocracy. Like, it's just oh, it's giving me a seizure right now. Like, it and welcome to a podcast where thirty somethings discuss music because. I've gone down the rabbit hole. I'll see you later. These are the things that keep me awake at night. These are the things well. that you know, we're, keep we're... me awake at night. Like the stress of like the news articles. Like I do it to myself because I obviously look at social media and I see this stuff come up. So, you know, I could just lock it all away and, and not look at this stuff online. But like to see this stuff is deeply, it, it, it affects me, man. While we're talking about Adam Curtis as well. Well, I am anyway. The, the one he did before hypernormalization was called Bitter Lake. And with everything that's going on with the Ukraine as well, I cannot recommend it highly enough. I'm going to be watching this over the next couple of weeks because it's just about how it's not a good versus evil argument. There is many shades of grey oh, yeah. in, in between and, and how the news and how journalists... And this is where I think our... Our problem comes, personally, oh, I'm getting down this rabbit hole. Fuck it, we're going there. Big talks <clears> on a Sunday, man. Big talks on a Sunday. Is that our journalists are failing, catastrophically failing, at holding those in power to account. Are the journalists failing, or are the people that own the media failing? Like I don't, I don't want to go down that. I don't want to go. To, I think there's, there probably is. There's, there's an editorial decision being made at some somewhere, but those editorial decisions are being made by by sales. They, they only, they don't care I mean. who's in charge. They just want money. So who's buying these newspapers? Who buys trash? They want simple stories, and that's where Bit of Late comes in really good because it talks about how people want to know who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. They want to know yeah. who, what side to root for. Yeah. So. When when you see a conflict of of the West versus the East, newspapers lap it up. They want that. We've we've been distracted. You could say by this whole party gate thing because it's shit. It's fucking yeah. dreadful. And and, it, and and any other prime minister would have rolled over and walked away by now. But here we are, and letting him get away with essentially break. No, not essentially. From what I understand, breaking the law. Breaking his own laws um, that he breaking his it. own laws that he set that he told us about. Yeah, and here we are. So this is where so Americana was great for highlighting the social problems that existed in 1998, and I stand by what I mentioned there earlier that the songs that still hold up are the ones that still have those problems today. And yeah, I can't 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 just want to repeat that again because it's. I mean. Yeah. Okay, I shit on why don't you get a job as a song. But you said yourself, as a theme, it's solid. The, the, you, like, you, I was listening to it and I was sort of struggling a little bit because there's there's sort of two verses on, on a female character being the leech and then there's one verse on the male character being the leech. And I was like, oh, is that... There's maybe a couple of, couple of points in songs where I'm just like... It, it, it's very much written from a male perspective, you know, and we're obviously in 2022 now, so we're a lot further along in, in that in that idea. But you watch the video, and the video sort of maybe helps it a little bit more because it's got a far more balanced approach of people just being, like, shat on. Like, male, female, whatever position you're in, like, job, like, there's a kid in, like, a, like a, like a fast food restaurant that gets a 
milkshake dumped on them. There's like women on a on a TV like dating show, and they're like their their part their their male partners are just like fucking absolute douchebags. So they all walk out and stuff like that, and it it shows a far greater range of people visually than what is maybe sort of described in the song. Do you know one of those people is one of the Pussycat Dolls? Did not know that. Is it Nicole Scherzinger? Have I, have I it's, shat on it's, it's not. No, it's not the It's not the famous one. Okay. So <laughs> that's cool. But the, uh, like, sort of seeing that sort of helped me to be like, to get a message across at least or interpret a new message in that it is, thematically, I like it, in that it's about getting people out of your life that do not proactively contribute to your life. Like, Albeit incredibly ironic for a punk band to say, "Why don't you get a job?" Like punks, not notoriously known for their long-term employment, shall we say? But it's still sort of—I feel the message in that song is, yeah, if they're if they're shit in your life, if they're a drain on your life, fucking get rid of that person, man. Just just cut them out. I would more reflect it back on—I can't remember who said it. it. Was very recently in the news where some lassie who's famous for being famous from like Love Island or something she was being interviewed about on 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 some radio show and i think the the word she said we all have the same you know someone asked like how how do you get successful what what's your key to success and someone re- and she replied you know we all have we all have the same 24 hours what is that even and mean? it's it's to be like you know, I've I my I put my twenty four hours into being successful. What you do with your twenty four hours, as if to be like, no, my twenty four hours is very very different to your twenty four hours. You know, I've got I've got two kids and a job, and I'm going to college halfway through the week. You know, why aren't you running an Instagram account and being an influencer and going on fucking dating shows and exactly. contributing fucking absolutely nothing other than growing your own wealth? Like, why 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 can't you do that with two kids and a job? But it's that classic line. It's like. You know, the only reason that poor people exist is because they don't work hard enough. It's like, fuck you, whoever says that, because that is not yeah. the source of poverty. Poverty is not driven by the lack of work or the lack of people wanting to work. Yeah, It's driven by corporate greed and failing to pay salaries that are livable. And someone pointed out a great br- breakdown of like the minimum wage systems. Like someone on minimum wage in the 60s in a fa- you know, have a family of four could afford to buy a house, buy a car, and you know, a coffee only costs sixty pence. But then, yeah, today it costs three pounds. Yeah, but consumerism has gone like through the roof. It's like astronomical. Standard of living is is not going anywhere, and it's you know we're in a cost of living crisis at the moment. Yeah, we're watching energy costs go spiral through the roof, and then you know, there's there's a band singing. How long ago now? Twenty twenty two years ago. Yeah, no, 20, 24 years ago, they're singing that you know why didn't you get a job? That's that's the, that's the solution to all of these problems. Just get a job. Ah, uh, I okay. I see where you're coming from. I absolutely see where you're coming from. To take that line literally, why don't you get a job? Yeah, you're. I, I see where you're coming from. I don't think that's the interpretation. the The, the point of saying for that person to get a job is because. They are. It, it's from the perspective of two people in, in two relationships. It's a boyfriend and a girlfriend, and it's 
the boyfriend or the girlfriend in either or relationship that is contributing everything to the relationship. So like they're, you know, they're, they're supporting the house, they're, uh, you know, they're putting food on the table and stuff like that. And that other person is not doing so equally. Like the, right. the there's, there's a, an absolute focus on money about it. Like what, what is it? He, he refers to it as monies or what, what, what is it? De, de, uh, dineros like they want more dineros just to stay at home like but if they went and got a job and contributed like they would be in a better position so i don't think it it's about that person being lazy that person being literally lazy not being a homeless bum or or not being someone who can't get a job for 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 numerous reasons etc it's about that person being selfish and yeah. consuming those resources for them that that other person is getting for themselves. At least that's my interpretation. Of, no, why don't you get a job by the offspring? Most more, more likely, more than likely. One thing I want to pick on. So, did was this the first album you ever owned? Uh, no, 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 no. Fuck no. That that honor goes to the Spice Girls. What a what an admission to make uh, or I maybe think... even Backstreet Boys I, uh, I think Space Girls maybe followed closely by Backstreet Boys I don't think I'm far off I'm trying I was trying to remember so that my first ever album Backstreet's Back Baby was actually a comp- was a compilation mm-hmm. oh they don't count now 50 comp- right, okay, now so... 32 doesn't count Lav okay well, it was now 29 oh no yeah it was now 29 on tape alright date yourself further mate <laughs> but then the next album that I got was Def Leppard Vault, which I did not know at the time. I suppose being, you live from the north of England, so it's fine. Well, when this would have been 1995, I would have been like nine years old. Didn't mm-hmm. understand what it meant. I just knew there was a new Def Leppard album out and it was called Vault. Mm-hmm. And I asked for it and I got it on mm-hmm. tape and it got eaten by my mum's Peugeot 305. Didn't know where that was going to go, and it got eaten by my mum's Peugeot. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, no, my mum had a car, and I had the tape in the car, and the tape didn't come back. Remember that? Remember that used to happen. Remember that when that was a thing. Like your 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 physical disc was either your tape either got munched, even in the VCR, your tape got munched or chewed or whatever. Or oh, like, yeah. I don't know, if you didn't look after your CDs and they got scratched enough, then it physically wouldn't play. Like, ah, oh, man, kids these days, never had it as good as they did in our day, did they, love? I have a VCR story as well. I've lost many a, many a tape to a VCR, but this one, anyway, was stuck with me. The point I'm raising, raising with Def Leppard's Vault is because it was the first time that I heard the song Rock of Ages. Right, I know where you're going with this. So the song Rock of Ages opens with Bolter, Glieben, Glauten, Globen. Mm-hmm. Which is what... Yeah. Which is what Pretty Fly for a White Guy opens with. Correct. A Gunter, Glieben, Glauten, Globen, sorry. Yeah. And that was the producer for the song Rock of Ages, Matt Lang, doing... Just Mike Countin's one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. But he'd done them so many times because he was a perfectionist. He just started doing gibberish. Some perfectionist. And that the band liked the the recording of, of him going Gunter Glieben, Glauten, Globen and mm. kept it in. And then bizarrely, Offspring used it. Yeah, it's it's a weird it is a weird one. 
So anyway, back on the album though, if if compilations don't count, technically Vault doesn't count as one of my first, my first dedicated album. By what's Vault? Is Vault a greatest hits or something? Yeah, it's a greatest hits album. Oh, sorry if you said that, I missed it. <laughs> by Def Leppard. So it's a compilation, effectively. Right. Okay. So the first album that I also had was Spice Girls. Spice. Yeah, was it, brother. Was it just called? Was it just called Spice? No, it was called Space Girls. Was it was called it? Spice Girls. Yeah. Oh no, maybe it was called Space. And then Spice World. And then Didn't have Spice World. I was, I was off them by then. I was done by then. That yeah. was that's me. When Jerry left, she broke my heart. Uh, I had I bought the the single for Wannabe, and the album Spice, and right. then, and that was that was the end of it. But my first singles. Babylon Zoo and Oasis. I used to buy more singles because they were only like a pound to three pounds, whereas an album was a tenner. And when you were getting maybe two pounds a week pocket money, you could buy a single every other week. Sorry, you could buy an album once a month. Yeah, I was just I just had to double check something there. So, Space Girls Space came out on the nineteenth of September, nineteen ninety six. The following year, I would have also gotten. Backstreet's Back by Backstreet Boys in 1997. So yeah, Space Girls was probably my first album. I'm trying to work out what the other Oasis one was because I remember buying an Oasis album on the day of release from a little-known music shop called Our Price. Do you remember Our, Our Price? Price? Oh Do you remember Our Price? Oh my lord. Why don't you just say Woolworths? So that was in 1990... That was because the date is actually on the album cover. It was the 21st of August 1997 that that came out. And I'm pretty sure that was the second album I bought. I got Be Here Now and Backstreet Boys the same Christmas. That was... I was obviously trying to find myself there. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be honest. I mean, I've, I've already discussed that. So I was listening to Def Leppard, Spice Girls, Oasis... A lot of Ministry of Sound stuff started coming in around this time. God, man, and see if see if someone had just moved a chair in like Guantanamo Bay in nineteen ninety eight, you could have been in a different place, man. <laughs> I don't know why I went with Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> the butter- butterfly effect reference to the butterfly effect. So then, and it wasn't until really like early 2000s that I really was like nah I think I want to listen to some rock music now yeah I uh, got, in, got into the whole Linkin Park Deftones Papa Roach sort of train I only got the Backstreet Boys album because I liked a girl at school and she was a Backstreet Boys fan G- genuinely that's why I got that I mean don't get me wrong uh, everybody by Backstreet Boys as long as you love me absolute fucking gems and I will take that to my grave I've got a story about buying a cassette. So the famous, very famous song, It's Like That by Run DMC and Jason Nevins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great Yeah, tune. so I had that. What was that, 97? 97, I think that was. It, it would have been 97, around the time of uh, Titanic coming out. <laughs> I feel a crossover coming up. <laughs> so I went on a date and I was meant to go and see Titanic. And instead, I bought 
Run DMC, Jason Evans. Great, great investment, man. You made a choice, and I think you made the right choice. I definitely did, and I yeah uh, left left turn and be like, oh well, I, I don't have enough money to go and see Titanic now. Sorry. And it's like that, and that's the way it is. <laughs> Tell me you did that. Tell me you like moonwalked away. You're to and your fucking Adidas uh, shell toes. I fucking wish. I wish. I wish I was that fucking. Oh man! I wish I was that sharp. I am not that sharp at all. If, uh, if no. they ever invite time tra- invent time travel, and we're still here, just we need tap to just myself like, on the shoulder and be like, yeah, "Do this, do this do now. This. It'll be great. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing, but just say this. That's it. <laughs> It'll be hilarious." Yeah, that was one of those daft little things that you do. It was like I think I got it. For, I must have had like the exact money for the bus and a cinema ticket and. I'd seen it for like a pound because it had yeah. been out for ages by that point. It wasn't like brand new. It was probably just, they were just getting rid of stock from whatever. It wasn't even, a, it wasn't HMV. It wasn't our price. It wasn't Virgin Mega Store. I can't even remember the name of the music shop I bought it from. But yeah, I walked away with, with that on tape. And but, but, honestly, man, I, I totally, totally agree with that. That was the better choice to make. I mean, I went to go see Titanic twice. Once with my friends and then a second time with my mum. And you don't want to be a 12-year-old boy staring at Kate Winslet's boobies next to your mum. You just, you just word. Oh, my God. And then, of course, the dickhead at the back of the cinema had to wolf whistle. And I was like, <laughs> fucking hell, I can't. I want, to look at, I want to look at boobs, but I don't want to be next to my mum. Oh, God damn it. Brilliant. No, I think I've only seen Titanic once, and it wasn't in the cinema. Oh, I've seen I've seen parts of Titanic way too many times, but I'm not going to get into that story. Specifically, Kate Winslet's boobies. <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't even mean that. <laughs> no, I never need to explain myself. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go into that story. It's not. It's not I mean, podcast worthy. We're in 1998, so we can. Oh, this this can... this goes into like 2003, 2004. So I'm not. Goodness. There's maybe uh, friends of mine that listen to the podcast that will know exactly what I'm talking about, and that joke will remain between us. Thank oh, you very keep much. Keep it there, then. There's something it I wanted to, to to sort of uh, address as well because it blew my mind when I read it. It will mean probably nothing to, to most people, but the uh, the give it to my baby, give it to me baby line, you know, the sort of the the, the, the female vocal line on Pretty Fly for a White Guy, is by a voice actress called Nika Futterman. Futterman, Futterman, F-U-T-T, Futterman, Nika Futterman. And I was like, all right, voice actress, let's see what else she's done. If anyone is a Star Wars fan and you've watched the animated series The Clone Wars, she's the voice of Asajj Ventress, like the bald Sith apprentice to Count Dooku. And it blows my mind. You're clueless, aren't you? Totally, totally. I've never watched... Okay. I've watched the cinematic... Star Wars. In fact, I've not even seen all of them because I've. I'm such a fair weather Star Wars fan. Oh God! Don't tell me you hate the Last Jedi. I despised the Last Jedi. God damn it! Okay, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. We're gonna. We we could go down that rabbit hole. I've got the theatrical releases of. Oh, the original the old... trilogy. Are you that yeah. hardcore? Right? Yeah, great, great, great. Wasn't even, was was even a new hope in 97, so shut exactly. up. I've just, I've just got Star Wars. It just, when, it, when it opens, the opening credit is just 
Star Wars. I think I said 1997. I meant 1977. Yep. But please continue. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So I have I have a an appreciation for the for the war in the stars. <laughs> the saga. But the saga the, continues. I I genuinely think the mishandling of the saga since it moved into Disney's hands has been absolutely devastating to the uh, to the brand. Uh, I, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. I I I don't love the Last Jedi. I think it has its flaws, but I still think it's a very good film. If we go back to the Force Awakens, is fan service, but it's still good fan service. And then the Rise of Skywalker is an absolute steaming pile of dog shit. But a friend of mine sort of raised this point before, where like, like it or not, like Star Wars is generational. The first film came out in nineteen ninety seven. It's nineteen seventy seven. The last film came out in what two thousand and nineteen. So you're spanning fifty. 50 is it fifty years? Oh yeah. There's to me. So I went to the cinema to see the Phantom Menace. Yeah. In nineteen ninety nine was it? Yeah. That came out. I, I remember my dad. And his friend taking me to the cinema to see a Star Wars film. I had my ticket stub for The Phantom Menace and it was like £2.50. It was £2.50 to go see The Phantom Menace and like, or £3.50. Because I'm going to get them, I want to get the, the conversation back onto music because we've been talking about everything but music today. I still have several points to make about Star Wars, but let's go. Fantastic. There was a picture I, saw, I was shown of a gig that we were perhaps both at. So I was me. I was at the QMU on Thursday there to see a band, uh, see a couple of bands. Mm-hmm. And how, how was it? How, we're a music podcast. How was the gig? Talk to us. It was very good. Any anyone who is fans of of Knock Loose and Terror and hardcore in general, you would have had a great time. I had a great time. Glad to hear. I you. love live music, and I missed it. So congratulations. I've still not the, been to the gig yet. <laughs> on the way there. A friend of my, I pointed out that I'd only ever been to the the QMU in Glasgow once prior, and that one prior time was to see Killswitch Engage. All that remains, Twelve mm. Tribes, and Johnny Truant. I think and I that was, was in there. January two thousand and five. Have a guess, just a have a guess how much a ticket cost in two thousand and five for Killswitch Engage. Mm-hmm. 12 bucks 10 pounds close close £10. 2 pound 50 a band yeah and then I've just paid to see Not Loose and Terror who are moderate I, I don't know it's, it's, it's difficult to sort of judge these days because of streaming and things you don't have your Kerrangs and, and mm. things to, to sort of drive things I would I would say that not loose are not at the same level as Killswitch Engage at this at this at this stage in their career. Well, Even though they've probably released two albums, two EPs, they've only been really an active band for like five years, mm-hmm. um, and they've had quite a meteoric rise. I would say that considering Terror, the band who was opening for them, 
have been going for probably nigh on 20 years. You know, five years ago, five years ago, it was the other way around. The, the mm-hmm. terror would have been the headliner, but not loose took it away. Okay. I paid £20 for that ticket to see that gig last Thursday. Comes back to what we were saying before, man, like how cost of living and fucking inflation and, and like things are just unreal. Like it's it's 30, 30 quid to go to the cinema these days. Here's some here's some extra little numbers there. The train ticket, which was an off peak return from Edinburgh to Glasgow. We're so old. Twenty pounds. Megan. Oh, don't even get me started on train tickets, man. And here's the, the last bit. Here's the last bit. Rip off on train tickets. Here's the last bit. Yeah. If I had taken a bus, the 900, the ever-reliable 900, every 15 minutes between fucking morning, noon, or night. Never fails. Would have cost a tenner. That bus would have cost a tenner 15 fucking years ago. Yeah. It's it's always been a tenner for the bus return to Glasgow. Wow, that's impressive to say fuel prices are, are disgusting. Exactly. Fuel prices have gone up, up, up. Electricity, middle, well, it's probably gone up now, but trains, completely different ballgame. Yeah. Anyway, carry on telling me the story about Star Wars. <laughs> We're so old. Uh, what was my story about Star Wars? Well, right, so Liam, my friend Liam, uh, a little bit younger than us. Uh, I think Liam's maybe 27? 26, 27? 26, 27, maybe even 28, who knows? And Liam made a really good point when we were talking, sort of, as the, the new trilogy was coming out and stuff like that. And it was that we all f- we were all old enough to sort of know what the prequel films were, and we all thought they were shit now. Shit, shit then, right? You know, Phantom Menace mm-hmm. is not a good film. Like, you, you can't disguise that. And Clone Wars is... People say Clone Wars is worse. I don't really know. But I always maintain that uh, Revenge of the Sith was pretty good. At least better than the previous two. But for Liam, they're amazing. Like, he loves the prequel films because he was that much younger that they were the films that he grew up with. So like everyone else, prior to the prequel films who only had the original films, they were what was great. Then Liam grew up with the prequel films and then for him, they were what was great. So uh, as the cycle continues, hopefully what you'll find is that the kids now will find the, the the sort of the latest saga or the latest three films great. They are shit for the, the 50 years of existing fans, but I suppose what you could say, and go woke or broke, whatever, go fuck yourself if that's what you're going to say, like the new, the newest generation will see the sort of female protagonist in the far more diverse cast that is the newer films, and it's called Star Wars. So like... That's a good thing. But, like I said, the, the fucking Rise of Skywalker is a pile of dog shit and they absolutely just U-turned on what everyone hated about Rise of Skywalker. But, yeah. Last Jedi. Uh, Last, Last Jedi, Jedi was... Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, anyway. Americana as the, an album. The whole point of me bringing up, <laughs> the whole point of me pointing out that uh, Nika Futterman was, was doing the vocal line there was because... And listening to it, right, and listening to the song, like, today, I was like, that's not just, like, a throwaway vocal line. Like, it's layered. There's, like, two or three give-it-to-me babies there. Mm. Like, you know, layered to sort of make the harmony of it. I was just like, 
It actually sounds pretty cool. Like, I kind of, like, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's, it's just all something that's been there. It, it just really stood out to me in the song as maybe being not just this, that sort of throwaway line. And then, like I say, if you hear Nika Futterman, you'll know her. She's a bit like Claudia Black, if you know that actress, does a lot of voice stuff as well. Um, she was in Farscape and stuff and Stargate, etc. She's kind of got that sort of like lower range, smoky voice. A little, mm-hmm. little bit like myself just now, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Asajj Ventress. And then to think that like the the voice of Asajj Ventress is doing Give It To Me Baby on fucking... Th- it just blew my mind, man. And absolutely no one is with me on this. No one is vibing on this. But it was it was a revelation for me. Thank you very much for this diversion. Let's talk about the offspring again. <laughs> I've not got much else to say about it, mate. Like they were those. There's you know from Smash to I will include Conspiracy of One because I enjoyed a few songs from it as much as Original Prankster's dog shit. I will give the, the the album as a whole as one that got me to listen to the other stuff and mm-hmm. recognize. Mm-hmm. And I listened to Smash the other day. And I couldn't stop listening to it. It's great. It's a proper end-to-end flawless album if you put Smash on. Old, but okay. Americana does have its flaws. It's, as we've we've covered, it's got its, it's dated in some areas. It's got some, you know, there are one or two tracks that aren't perfect. But it's been great going back to it and having a real throwback, a proper nostalgia moment listening to the kids aren't aren't all right like every time i know every word and i still know every word and i will continue to listen to that song until the day i die because it's a great example yeah. of, a, of, a, of a of a punk rock song late 90s and just you know an instruction manual on how not to fuck things up is so this is sort of what i was maybe i don't know if i said on the recording or if i said to you before we started recording that the, the album's a bit all over the place. I think I did mm-hmm. see it because I think I was referring to uh, Why Don't You Get a Job? Uh, was that the name of the song? Why Don't You Get a Job? For, for for not being particularly punky and then you've got Pay the Man and uh, the kids aren't alright. Is it is it a punky song? It's got punky roots but it comes across far more as just a bit more of a rock song than it does. Like, say, for example, Walla Walla. Two minutes, 57, is just a straight-up punk track. Kids on the right, albeit that it's only three three minutes, bad example to pick a song that was only three seconds shorter. But, like, still, to me, is far... It's it's a bit more straight down the line of, of rock, than it nah, is. It's, it's punk rock. It's it's got all it's three. It's a three three chord banger. It's just power chords and it's fast. Yeah. It's it is. It's got fast lyrics, and I think it's it's undisputable punk rock. It's great. Okay, okay. I'm, I love I'm, it. I'm, I'm not going to argue. Like you do have stuff like Pay the Man, Americana as well is a bit. I think Americana is a bit more out there. It's that's not just a straight up punk song either. But yeah, is it like, yeah, no breaks. Have you ever starts really punky and then sort of has that shift towards the mm. end? Like something, 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 you, you know, that, that crime does pay, etc. Like that, that, that turns, that, that shifts the song quite a bit. And I actually thought it was a second, second song. Like I thought, I thought it'd gone on to, to the next song. So I was, I was pretty impressed. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And especially if you were ever downloading your music at the time, 
it might have sounded a little bit like, oh, they've just put two songs together here. Yeah, no, absolutely. But impressed. Like, to say, to say I didn't, like, I, I do, like, if the offspring broke up tomorrow, I could not think I would even acknowledge it. But maybe, maybe, maybe that's a shame. Maybe there's, there's better stuff here. But th- th- this album was, was way more enjoyable than I thought. Highlights are like Walla Walla, Have You Ever. Obviously, The, the Kids Aren't Alright is, is a song that sort of stayed for me for quite a bit. You said you had a problem with feelings. What's your beef with feelings? I don't like his vocals in it. Dexter's vocals are... I think I've said this before, but with other vocals, you know, a little bit like Marmite, you got to love it or hate it. Like, he does have a very distinct singing voice. I, I feel like it's out of tune at first. So apparently it's a parody cover of Morris Albert's 1977, 1975 single. I've not listened to the original, but apparently it's it's a cover slash parody of another song, which means nothing But I to like me. the I like the chorus. The chorus really comes home for it. It's just the vo- it's just the verses I don't like because it just sounds really like I don't know. It, like I say, it sounds it sounds sort of out of tune, off step. I don't know what it is about it, but then it comes together for the chorus, and it's proper driving. It's like feelings, oh feelings, yeah, yeah. And I love that bit. Absolutely fucking. I could listen to that all day. But the the the, the verse of it that. You know the guitar line that just it just I don't know if I don't know the original, so I don't know what it's parodying. Yeah, but it just feels a little bit wrong, and it it has to hit that chorus for me to recognise that it's a good song. Okay, I, I I totally get what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't one that I was exactly looking forward to coming up. Like you know. Have you ever staring at the sun? Are, are is a pretty great start. Like you could you could ditch that nine second welcome. It's almost. I think have you ever is a pretty good intro into it. Pretty fly for a white guy. I listened to the first few times. I actually managed to get through this album quite a bit. I ended up skipping it because you just have heard that song so much over the years. And then yeah, kids are, kids on our right is is phenomenal. And then your feelings is a bit of a bit of a stumble bit of a ah oh, that's that's sort of taking me out of it a little bit like it's not yeah then the rest of the album I think flows on pretty, pretty well but I've got nothing else to say but I think it's a good a good album a good good little entry and I suppose much like we spoke about Linkin Park in that it was a sort of gateway drug if you will mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can totally see a lot of my friend why a lot of my friends got got into this it makes total sense. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think because of the success of Ex the Only Ombre, the band got a massive sort of push for this. And it, it didn't do as well, like I said earlier, but it got, because the other album was so successful without having the sort of a bigger backing, Columbia, of which this was released on, went into this album like, all right, cool. You guys can make music that people like. So we're we're gonna give you that we're gonna give you that promotion. Like we were sort of talking about last week about, you know, having that label backing, having that label money, getting the center aisle of HMV and, and stuff like that. Like I think I think this was definitely pushed out a bit more. You don't see a lot I don't see a lot more of the offspring really these days. I think one thing I sort of realized or something I sort of saw and it's one thing we've noticed on previous bands. 
lineup changes, quite a lot of lineup changes. They've gone through a lot of drummers. More recently, I was aware of a bit of a, a, a sort of in, uh, or, or a conflict of interest with the bass player. They just fired him. I thought that was the drummer. Was I? I couldn't remember which one it was. Well, this is they... the thing: they fire people, like Dexter and whatever the fuck his name is, Noodles, like have fired. They fired their, that 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 the drummer that's on this album. So Ron Weltley uh, was fired. He's since came back and raised a dispute about royalties, and then their bass player of like fucking thirty years. The most recent news I remember seeing them was to do with one of the band members claiming he had some reason he couldn't get the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. So with Dexter Holland, I'm pretty sure he's got a PhD. He's a very, very smart man. And, you know, he wasn't prepared to fuck around. I'm pretty sure he's got like a bio, a degree in bio, biological sciences or something, something that makes oh, it kind a, of cool. He is a virologist. Yeah. So an American musician and virologist. He had no qualms as soon as anyone was coming out with any sort of anti-vaccine chat to be like, get the fuck out, done, not even entertain, didn't even entertain it. It was when the vaccine first sort of came out, so it, would, it must have been in 2021, and they, I think he, he said he couldn't get it because he had some underlying health condition, but Dexter saw through it and said, nah, well, if, you, if you're not going to get vaccinated, you're not coming on tour with us. And that was the end of it. And I'm pretty sure it was someone pretty meaningless in the in the grand scheme of things i don't think they'd ever recorded with them i think he was just their sort right. of session musician if i i'm i have i cannot remember which i'm which just reading it was i'm just reading up on greg k just now so in august 2019 uh k standing for cries Kreisel filed a lawsuit against the offspring bandmates his offspring bandmates holland and wesserman so that's dexter and noodles following an alleged decision by the two in November 2018 to fire him from the band and exclude him from band-related activities such as studio recordings and live performances. So 2019, there's, there's, that's not really anything to do with, with vaccine, vaccines or anything. And I think it was Pete Prada. Also a, yeah, also a former drummer of The Offspring. In August 2021, Parada announced on Twitter he was being fired from the offspring. He claimed the reason for the firing was declining to take a COVID-19 vaccine on the advice of his doctor due to suffering from uh, Guillain-Barr syndrome, a rapid onset muscle weakness caused by the immune system. In November 2021, vocalist Dexter Holland and guitarist Kevin Wasserman detailed in an interview the roadblocks they kept running into when they looked into what it would take to tour with an unvaccinated member of the band, and they said the decision was taken for the time being. Nevertheless, in his tweet of August 2021, Parada said he was deemed unsafe to be around, not only on tour, but also in the recording studio. Pretty solid middle finger to your doctor, isn't it? It puts you in a difficult position, doesn't it? That you, you've actually had medical advice to say, I shouldn't get vaccinated, but then you, you know, if you were to catch COVID because you're more susceptible to it without being vaccinated, you're then putting the the other members at risk? I think, well, they've, they've made a business decision, in my view. They, that's all it is, yeah. They've looked at it, that it, there are road, there, I think the, the word they use there, roadblocks, 
it's going to be difficult getting around certain countries that have mandates. Yeah, yeah. You look at the story that was dominating the news in December of of Djokovic trying to play in the Australian Open yeah, unvaccinated. Totally. And I mean, he ended up trying to... Fuck, fuck knows, I'm not going to get into it. But ultimately it ended up probably damaging his career and no doubt financially impacting him at least because he's not going to have been paid for not playing tennis. If they would have set up a tour, tours don't... Tours cost money the moment you think about them, unfortunately. They don't... You know, you don't you don't pay for them at the end. Mm-hmm. You pay for them from the start. And if you were throwing money down to consider doing a UK, European, South American, East Asian tour, you're going to need to have documentation that allows you to travel freely amongst those countries. Yeah, sure. And yeah, if if, if you can have a drummer you've drummed with since what? Mid two thousands, I think. Two thousand seven. Parada was in two thousand seven. He replaced Adam Willard, who replaced Ron Welty. So Ron Welty was there from eighty seven to two thousand three. He's yeah. He seems pretty old school. So this this lad, he's been their touring drummer when they've released, and they've released three albums under him, admittedly. But yeah, if you, you know, drummers are replaceable. Sorry, drummers. Everyone's replaceable. Everyone is replaceable. Just about everyone is replaceable apart from the vocalist. Except for Killswitch Engage, we discussed this. Well, yeah, you can... (laughs) Well, no, because you can physically change a vocalist. Yeah, that's fine, but you're going to have a more obvious different result. Like, Howard Jones' Killswitch compared to Jesse Leake's Killswitch is... are are not two different Killswitches. They're still still Killswitch Engage, but they're clearly two different vocalists and it changes the music in that way. Like I read a really great post the uh, the other week from Jesse on, on Instagram and he was just sharing a picture of him and Howard and how they are touring with Light the Torch at the moment, which is Howard's band after Killswitch. I've and seen those videos coming out of him yeah, coming on to do songs, which is cool. So, so, they've, so they've just got Howard coming on doing some of Howard's songs because Jesse was saying after he came back and had to sing End of Heartache and my sacrifice and stuff like that. Like, it was the first time he'd had to sing someone else's songs, and he was so complimentary to to Howard because Howard was in what like two bands before he was in Killswitch. Like, he considers Howard to be the the superior vocalist, the, the professional vocalist, and and Jesse's not. So it, it was just a really touching sort of comment to like the friendship that he's now formed. With, with Howard, the both of them sort of have their struggles with sort of depression and mental health and stuff like that. And they're both vocalists that have been in the same metal band and stuff like that. So it was just it was just really, really cool to see. Um, yeah. But everyone back, is back, back on yeah, back on the fact that everyone is replaceable is like, yeah, well hard hard truth is everyone kinda is replaceable. But yeah, one thing I didn't know about the offspring is Christ, just look at their former members and, and whatnot on Wikipedia and they go through bassists and drummers like Metallica go through bassists. <laughs> you were that saying, man, honestly. I know, you hate it. Yeah. Apart from that, all I wanted to say was the artwork for Americana is cool as fuck by an artist called Frank Kozik. You know, the, the sort of pop art thing with the sort of the dark twist to it. Captures uh, the Ray... Oh, I was about. I was going to sound really, really, really learned there. And then the, the name has escaped me. 
the name of the the gentleman who makes pop art very famous andy warhol no it's not andy warhol you'd know him if you'd know his work if you saw it it is very famous pop artist so originally frank kozik didn't want to do it he was a bit like i don't know how associating my art with your band is going to work for me so the guy demand the, the guy wanted 75 grand to do the americana illustrations 75 G's. You look at the work of Roy Lichtenstein. Name sounds familiar. Very famous pop artist. He he basically made what could be best described as like comic books, like art, but made it real and made it commercially viable. Yeah, that yeah, the guy essentially invented pop art. Yeah, you know, I've got you know like the the very heavily pixelated stuff. Yeah, that you now find in every ikea or range or so that's that's what i feel like when i look at the artwork for americana is is that sort of yeah it absolutely has that vibe and i think that's that it's it's the perfect sort of design for the album and and, and what it's supposed to mean you know that combination like pop art i think you would say is americana or was heavily Mm -hmm. adopted by the concept albeit it was designed by a man called Roy Lichtenstein. But yeah, no, it was a good album. Thank you for bringing it. It was nice to revisit it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I absolutely enjoyed it and, and was pleasantly surprised by it. Am I going to go back and listen to Offspring? I'm a fuck. Like, they're just... I'm not not bothered by the band at all. I would say listen to Smash. Go and listen to Smash. I, I really don't want to. I, I might go back and listen to Ex Neon the Ombre. That sounded more interesting. I remember self-esteem from Smash, and I hated it. I don't like self like self-esteem. Like it's it's a it's it's, it's just not a pleasant song to listen to for me personally. But yeah, I don't know. On your recommendation, I might. But yeah, that or that or I might do X N on the Ombre. Probably won't. But definitely enjoyed sort of coming back to this pre Lincoln Park phase of my. Uh, of my early, early, early as fuck teens. Mm-hmm. So what's uh, what's coming up next week then, Lav? What are you going to do? I'm in two minds. I'm in two minds. Do I carry on the theme of the punk rock? There is a punk rock album that was initially mentioned in one of our conversations, and it was probably the, the height of... It's about as far as I went when it came to punk. We've already done um, Blink-22, so I don't know who else you're maybe talking about. Or do I go back to 2003 to get us back on track, sort of with the chronological stuff? Well, spoiler alert, my next album is going to keep us in 1998. Okay. It's relevant to 2004, because it's when I was lucky enough to see the band. I went and saw them on this tour in 2004, but I'm going to refer to their 1998 album. Okay, I think I'll stick with the the earlier release then. So next week, I would like us to listen to NoFX. Ah, fuck. Cool, great. I love punk music. It's a short album. It's only 31 minutes. Even better. Is that 12 songs? 13 songs? 15 songs? Is it 18 songs? It's 14 songs. Great. All right. And the longest song is is four minutes long. 
and the shortest one is is 58 seconds i would like to talk about pump up the volume okay rings a bell we have mentioned it recently pump up the volume by no fx okay doke it's va- volume it's not valium not not like not like the pills I'm not allowed to use that that was against copyright so it's valium uh interesting story has as always Val- this, pump up the valum right okay the this was where i got to after hearing the blink when it twos and and so forth and and this was this was the punk rock that i settled on it's got all the humor it's got all the, the all the stuff that i really liked at that time so yeah i'm i'd like to talk about that one that one stands out for me no effects was a theme at my wedding uh, was it? Yep. All the tables when, were NoFX albums. Oh, see, you, you didn't invite me to your, your day, so I only got to the evening, so I never saw the tables. Sick burn. <laughs> no, cool, man. Okay, great. Um, NoFX, pump up the Valum. Yeah, let's do that next time. Shall I, uh, shall I, shall, shall you do the deed? Shall I do the deed? You, you, I think it's you. It's your album. You take us home. I'll take us on. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. We have been alive or just blethering. Check us out on our socials at AOGB Podcast, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, maybe TikTok. No. Soon. Who knows? Yeah. Next week on Alive or Just Blethering, Lav will be taking us through No Effect, Pump Up the Valum. If I'm pronouncing that right. Val- everyone just says it Valium, but it's technically it's not Valium. Well, I'm going to read it as it's spelled, so pump up the valum. Sweet. Good night. (laughs) Good night.